Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life Rewired podcast, and thank you guys for joining us on this Monday, July 24th. Today's episode is going to be all about RPE, or Rate of Perceived Exertion. Um, This one is really just going to be a deep dive into training intensity and helping you guys really maximize your time spent inside of your workouts and getting really focused on how you're training, not just what you're doing inside the gym, but really how you're doing it. But before we begin, this episode is brought to you by Nash Nutrition. The Nash Bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein, and is naturally sweetened with honey and dates. And what a lot of people don't realize is that most of the healthy protein bars on the market are in fact heavily processed with fillers and unnatural ingredients. If you guys you know, just look at the back of the label on any of the protein bars that you're consuming and really any of the foods that you're consuming in general, this is going to be a key indicator on determining, you know, is this something that's healthy or is it not? And this is why we never have to worry about the Nash bars because they are filled with only all natural ingredients and nothing processed. And, you know, not only that, these things taste absolutely amazing. You know, we literally hear, we get texts, we get messages from people all the time about just the taste and how amazing these bars are. And, you know, over the years, I've tried literally so many different protein bars from all sorts of different companies. And I can honestly say that there is literally no better tasting bar out there, especially protein bar, um, than the Nash bar. So make sure you guys head to the show notes after today's episode to head to the link to the website where you guys can get notified on any updates of the upcoming release of the bars. The next one is going to be July 27th at 6 p.m. So make sure you guys turn on those notifications and get yourself a box of bars to try. So on to today's episode. This is episode, episode number 95. And this is all again about RPE, RIR, and really just a deep dive into training intensity in general. And so, you know, this one really just kind of hits home with me because I remember early on as a trainer, you know, I was really trying to to determine, you know, how to measure intensity for my clients, aside from just like your main compound lifts. You know, a lot of us um, at least have a brief understanding of how, you know, percentage-based training works, you know, that we, you know, all have a specified one rep max, for example, on, you know, our squat, our bench, our deadlift. Really, we have, you know, technically a one rep max on any exercise or movement inside the gym. But, you know, typically, especially as a former athlete, we always use, you know, percentage based protocols for our compound lifts, you know, 85% of your one rep max for bench or, you know, 75% of your one rep max for squat. And then you would basically, you know, determine the amount of reps to do based off that percentage within your training program. But there was never really a whole lot of specificity around how intense we should be going on, you know, a lateral raise or say a leg extension or a bicep curl or some of the, you know, accessory exercises. And so basically what I found RPE enabled me to do was really determine specifically how intense we should be going, not only on the compound lifts, but how intense we should be going on, you know, accessory movements. And I think on top of that, this is just a far easier way to really measure intensity. You know, we're not all going to sit there and spend all of our time, you know, one rep maxing every single exercise inside the gym to understand what percentage we should be training at um, as it relates to intensity. Plus, you know, I think a much greater population of people could use RPE versus percentage-based programming, for example. And so, you know, what is RPE? And so essentially, this just stands for rate of perceived exertion. And then RIR is just reps in reserve. So these really do go hand in hand and essentially kind of mean the same thing. But Chris and I like to use RPE because it's you can use it more broadly. You can use it for, you know, not only your weighted resistance training, but you can also use it, you know, in cardiovascular situations. It really is more of a awareness and perception of 
how intense you're going on a given set. And so really the way to use this is really to understand training until failure. And so, you know, when we're talking about like training to, you know, true muscular and mechanical failure, we'll just use an example of like, you know, five reps on dumbbell bench press. So if Christina is using a weight, you know, at failure for five reps, this means that like with every single rep that she's performing out of those five, I mean, she is literally like, going slow literally like has to go slow because there's so much mechanical tension like she's really straining you know she's making those uncomfortable faces because she's working so hard and, and just pushing so intensely you know behind each rep and you know as she gets to you know that fourth rep you know and then that fifth rep you know that fifth rep she's like barely even able to squeeze it out and then she literally could not even possibly do you know another rep beyond that fifth rep and that is a true sign of of muscular failure, of, of true mechanical failure, um, when we're training to that degree of intensity. And so, you know, it really does help like to train to and to failure to be able to understand, you know, how close in proximity we are to mechanical failure in the future. You know, we almost have to go there to be able to reference, you know, how close we are to that failure point on other sets inside of our training. And so, you know, that's really kind of where reps in reserve comes in where, you know, this is just determining how many reps we have left when we, you know, are finished with a given set. And so these really do go hand in hand, like I said, because even the way that we approach RP, which I know Christine is going to talk about is like, you know, at this given weight, we feel like we could you know, perform X amount of more reps, which is very similar to the reps in reserve. So, you know, either way you guys like to use it, this is going to be a good measure of how close in proximity to failure you are at on a given exercise, which can be applied to so many different exercises. Before I dive in, I kind of want to give my experience with using RPE because I feel like there was a given time in my fitness journey where when I was school for exercise science, we only used it for conditioning and it was like running on a treadmill. How hard was this one to 10? One being you're sitting on a couch exerting zero energy. Ten is you are completely maxed out, could not go any longer. And so I always use this for cardio, but getting into lifting, I think right before, when I was doing more in-person training, this is when I started to use more RPE training with my clients. And I would just ask at the end of a set, like, how hard was that? And I kept hearing like a five or a six. And it's like, when you're watching someone complete a set, like, you know, when it's too easy. And Zach always says this in the gym, like you could go heavier. And that's what always inspires me to lift heavier. We see it in the gym all the time. Like when you're just going through the motions, you're not getting a whole lot out of it. Obviously it's still beneficial to move your body, but if you're trying to have muscle hypertrophy or gain strength, like you really have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and you can visibly tell when you are and when you're not. So I started using it with my in-person clients asking how hard it was and I was aiming for that sweet spot of like eight out of 10 for most women. But then when Zach took over my training and would program in like this week is a seven, this week is an eight and would do it on all the accessory movements. That's when I was like, okay, I was going through the motions because it's hard to see it when you're the one doing it. So having someone program in your RPE is super important, but I do want to go into why RP and max percentage lifting is a little bit different. And I think that for a lot of people, like getting your one rep max, especially as an online coach is pretty unsafe. I think that I wouldn't put a client under a bar and say like, let's get a one rep max. And then like on your first session, then we'll be able to program out the rest of your session. And when I was a strength and conditioning intern, we would do that. We would put every, you know, athlete through a test and then we'd program out on like the TV this week is 70%. Here's what everyone should be lifting. And I think that's a very strategic way for athletes, but I think beyond athletics, like, especially if you're someone who's prone to injury, I know a lot of specific athletes that I worked with and I had to 
run through lifts were very prone to injury. And that's not someone you want to be like, Hey, go rep, go max out and come back with your one rep max, you know? So I think it's really important to just understand like your limitations. Like, are you someone who gets injured frequently? Are you someone who has an in-person trainer? I've wondered at max with Zach in the gym recently and that I felt safe doing that. But I think having a spotter or having an in-person coach, I think helps with the percentage-based lifting, but that's why we love RPE because it fits our clientele online coaching. It's a lot safer, I think. And you just don't have to do it. Like you don't have to one rep max. No. And you can get so much out of your lifting. I feel like when I used to one rep max, I didn't see a lot of body composition change um, versus now when I use RPE based lifting. But like Zach said, it's an easier way to track not only compound lifts, but also how hard you're going in accessory movements and conditioning. Cause you're not doing a one rep max on leg extension and you should not be, you're not doing one rep max on leg curl or bicep curls or lat pull downs. Um, so I know for a lot of people, it's hard for them to find their base baseline weights and that's what RP helps you do but it's also it can be used in conditioning too so I think that the best way to describe using RP is like your perceived exertion is going to look different week by week and when you follow a four-week split for training it should look different week by week you want to beat yourself and increase your RPE over the span of the four weeks but also when you think about like what your best looks like that's why I like using RPE over max lifting percentage lifting because if you are about to start your cycle, for example, as a woman, like think about athletics, like a huge percentage of that is women. And if we're like, hey, you're lifting 90% of your one rep max and it's your period week, your body's literally and your hormones are working against you. And that way it's going to feel like 110% of your one rep max during that week because your energy and your strength is different. So your best and your perception may look different week by week, but it's a good indication for your intensity. And that's a phenomenal point that Christina brings up here where we do have these, you know, lifestyle factors. We have these external factors that are naturally going to impact, you know, our central nervous system's ability to show up and hit a very strict percentage of our one rep max, because you got to think about it like this, guys, like even like think of the state that you were in, even when you did that one rep max, like, you know, maybe down the line, you know, you don't you're not able to hit that same one rep max. So then if we're using percentages based off that one rep max, it could be discrepant or could cause some discrepancies. And so obviously with us working with more lifestyle clients, and I feel like as we navigate more throughout this episode, you guys are going to see how RPE, you know, matters for a lot of different measures other than just even like the loading, you know, there's other factors that play into intensity in general, but there are so many external factors that impact our ability to hit very strict numbers or very strict percentages. So this is our way of saying, Hey, look, we're looking for you to hit this amount of exertion, even if one week it looks different than the next. And I think a lot of lifestyle factors, just to give you guys some examples, we coach so many different clients and I'll like... I just did Monday check-ins today and I had clients coming off a wedding weekend, clients who had food poisoning this weekend, clients who are sick and have a sinus infection, women who are starting their period. And I'm strategically going through every check-in saying like, hey, normally it would be at a nine out of 10, but I need you to scale it back to an eight or a seven because of X, Y, and Z. If you got five hours of sleep, I'm not going to have you go at 10 out of 10 this week. We may extend the program one week as we talked about in our optimizing your training episode, like training the same program for over four weeks is very beneficial for a number of reasons. But in a scenario like this where someone's hungover, sick, or got no (laughs) sleep, sometimes all three, then on top of that, a lot of my clients have the aura ring because we're so passionate about sharing how much we love the aura ring. If you are, I keep getting a lot of messages about that too. If you guys are interested in the aura ring or like Apple watch and kind of comparing those, we did a whole episode on like activity trackers you can go back to, but The reason I love the aura is because when my body is like about to start my cycle or when I have a poor weekend of sleep or when I drink alcohol, my recovery will come down and I'll have to have that self-awareness to say like, okay, this weight may feel heavier this week and I have to be okay with that. Like I'm not going to push myself and 
not listen to my recovery. You have to be very intuitive with it. But I think that understanding RPE is the baseline. Ever since we started incorporating it, like talking about it so much with our clients and scheduling it in, like based on the week that you're lifting or your program, our clients like end our program saying like, I never understood intensity. I never understood progressive overload or RPE. Now I feel so confident going in the gym and knowing how much I should lift. I think the biggest struggle with people coming into a coaching program or going into the gym the first time is like, what weight should I start out with? And I think it's kind of a an answer that I probably get an eye roll, but I'm like, I can't tell you what weight to choose. It's based on a feeling like start out light and like focus on your form above all else. And, th- and then if you can finish that set and I program 10 reps and you're like, oh, I could have done 15 or 20, like definitely increase the weight. You may have to do a couple of warm-up sets before you're like, okay, this is my first working set. And that's okay. When you start a new program to take some time to understand what the weight should feel like. And that awareness is built over time, guys. It's not going to be perfect. Like your first time, you know, playing around with this, you know, you're not going to be perfectly, you know, matching the weight to the intensity we're looking for. And this even happens with new clients. I typically tell my clients, you know, it's going to take you anywhere between four to eight weeks. You know, it's going to take you like one to two full cycles of like starting, you know, with reps left in the tank and then training all the way to that week of failure. And then those failure weeks are really where you are able to experience, okay, what is like failure actually feel like so when i go to like an rpe you know seven out of ten i really i really have a deeper awareness and a deeper understanding for what three reps left in the tank you know really feels like at an rpe seven because it's going to be hard to gauge at first so just work with yourself and know that over time through experience through practicing this and through repetition you will get better at building that awareness around how close in proximity to failure you are inside the gym I also want to mention before I dive into like how we use this with clients and what it looks like specifically is that it also helps with recovery and the need for a deload. Very rarely do I program in deloads for my clients because we're not training at a 10 out of 10 RPE week by week by week by week. Being able to go from week one of a program, which I guess I'll walk into now my next portion, which is like how we use it with our clients. If you're doing a four week split, Week one should be a seven out of 10. We have a software we use for our clients where they rate it one to 10. I'll typically see the first few workouts. They're like, it's a two out of 10, a three out of 10, a five. And I'll send them a picture of it and be like, it should feel like nothing less than a seven (laughs) because that means these workouts are as hard as you make them. So if you end a workout and you're like, I could go on, I could do abs, I could do cardio, I could do a couple more supersets. Like, could I have more of my program? Think about how hard you're going in those lists. Like these workouts are as hard as you make them. Like Zach and I have talked about openly on the past couple episodes. We go in the gym and do four lifts. We can make it really freaking hard if we're training at the proper intensity, the right tempo, and using the right RPE versus doing 12 movements going through the motions. So these workouts are truly how hard as you make them. But in week one, it should be like a seven, nothing less, um, unless you're doing conditioning or a hit circuit, which it could be a six at that point. But seven out of 10 should be like your base weight. You're focusing on form at the end of that set. You should feel like I may have three reps left in the tank. So you want to like build your baseline because if you think about, you have to have room to grow. If you're doing the same program for four weeks, you have week two to beat yourself. You have week three to beat yourself and week four. And then you shift back down to a seven once your new training cycle starts. So that's where you prevent that overtraining or you prevent the need for a deload. I will program it in at certain times if I have clients who are training for a half marathon or training like a hybrid style on top of lifting, but paying attention to recovery and cycling the seven, eight, nine, ten is how you prevent the overtraining. So week one, like I said, should feel like you have three reps left in the tank. That's that reps in reserve. This is that sweet spot for women during period week. So I like to sync up week one of a new program with period weeks. We're already scaling back weight. We're already kind of not going through the motions, but we are choosing a lighter weight. We're not intentionally trying to beat ourselves from the week before because our hormones are inherently fighting against that. 
In week two, you want to look at the weight you did the previous week. This is why tracking your weights is so important. I feel like we haven't mentioned that, but like you should be tracking your weights. That's the only way to feel like you're beating yourself and having that progressive overload. But in week two, you should feel like you may have two reps left in the tank. So like, let's say I program in 10, you should be like, I could have maybe gone on for 12. And then week three should be like a nine out of 10. You're looking at what you did the week prior in week two, choosing a heavier weight. Or if you have a range of reps, you should be increasing the reps and saying like, okay, Christina programmed in 12 reps. I maybe could have done 13. And then week four, this is that what Zach was talking about, like a 10 out of 10. Like if he programs five reps for me, I could not do six. I couldn't even do five and a half because the weight should feel so heavy that that is the last rep that you could perform at that weight with proper form (laughs) because you don't want to be like throwing around weight, especially when it's heavy and it's like a 10 out of 10 RPE, your form has to come first. That's why in weeks one, two, and three, you're building that foundation of proper form and tempo and weight so that on the last week, you're really getting the most out of this lift. Yeah. So like in an ideal scenario, you know, say, you know, for example, I was doing, you know, week one, five reps with 60 pounds on dumbbell bench, you know, I should feel like you know, I could basically have done, you know, eight reps with those 60 pound dumbbells. And then in week two, you know, I'm going to increase that weight for the same amount of reps, same amount of sets. I'm just going to increase the weight, you know, five to 10 pounds. Then I should feel like, you know, maybe I could have gotten, you know, two more reps at 65, 70 pounds. You know, then week three, I make another increase. I increase those dumbbells, you know, five to 10 more pounds, you know, to more of that, like, you know, 70, 75 pound range. And then, you know, at that weight, I should feel like I could have maybe, you know, squeezed out another rep. And then in that final week, I'm making another five to 10 pound jump. And then it's like, I should be at complete failure. Now, not every single set you guys perform is going to be perfectly progressed in that way where you're, you know, able to increase that weight five to 10 pounds every single week. I typically give that as a reference for my clients. I'm like, Hey, you know, try to increase in week two by five to 10 pounds, try to increase in three by five to 10 pounds. But sometimes, you know, you guys aren't going to be able to do that. And you might have to keep the same weight in one week that you did the prior, but guess what you can do? You can always go slower. You can always push for maybe a little bit better quality reps. You can maybe push for a little bit of a deeper range of motion. All of those things are going to drastically affect the outcome at which, you know, your muscles are going to adapt and the training is going to help you adapt. And so, you know, it doesn't always have to be black and white. So just understand that there's other ways, you know, that you guys can elicit that intensity inside of a working set, even if you don't necessarily have the ability to break past a certain plateau from a weighted perspective. You know, I've actually done, I've even, and I know Christina's done the same thing, but there's actually been scenarios where, you know, we've actually lessened, like literally pulled the weight back where we felt, you know, our body was overcompensating a little bit for the muscle that we were targeting. And I know I've definitely done this, but I've actually pulled the weight back and focused on a deeper range of motion. I've focused on a little bit slower reps and I could feel it big time. And so it doesn't always necessarily mean we're progressing the weight always. Once again, it's the rate of perceived exertion. How intense is the exertion that I'm putting forth on this set at this amount of reps at this given weight? And be honest with yourself too, because we are comfortable in our comfort zone. So I feel like it goes without saying that like, you shouldn't rate something a 10 out of 10 if it's truly not a 10 out of 10 because then you're not getting the most out of these lifts. So like really push yourself. If you're finishing a set and you're not like gassed at all and it's a 10 out of 10 week, like really think about like, was I moving through those motions like slow with intention? 
focusing on tempo, focusing on proper form and lifting a heavy enough weight because I guarantee you are stronger than you think. This is something I hear all the time with women, especially lower body. Like we're able to make bigger jumps in weight, like five, 10, 15, like 20 even. Like I'll have three month calls with client and I'll be like, what's your PR? What's like, what do you want to work on for hip thrust? And they're like, I want to gain five pounds like on my PR. I'm like, in three months, you could gain like 20, (laughs) you know? So Mm -hmm. upper body is very different, I feel like, for women specifically. But just like be honest with yourself and how strong you are. And that's why, you know, people hire coaches. But one other thing I did want to mention with RPE was RPE 6. Like I said, if you rate it a 6 out of 10, that should be used for like conditioning or a circuit. Like Zach will program like a circuit at the end of a lift, for example, where I'm doing like four movements and it's timed. You shouldn't be like choosing something that's like a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 for something that's like 50 seconds of work or 40 seconds of work. That's more for conditioning. And you also see this a lot in like high intensity workout classes, like at 45. Um, I can't really say that for sure. I've never been to an F45 class, but like orange theory or a group fitness class, that's where you'll typically see like, Hey, we're doing this for a minute or like very high reps. You're not choosing something that's a nine or a 10 out of 10 specifically. And that's why for a lot of people, if that's your only form of lifting, you don't see a whole lot of body recomposition you may initially, but you don't see a lot of progressive overload in a situation like that where you're just lifting for conditioning. You can definitely get in great shape, but if your goal is body recomposition or gaining strength or gaining muscle size, then mixing these two modalities together is important. We don't think you should subscribe to like one form of lifting, but it's a good to combine the two. So just being honest with yourself with what that RPE truly looks like. And then also just like paying attention, like what is the intention? So like for conditioning, the intention is to get your heart rate up and you're burning calories. You know, you're doing a, you know, a workout. It's not necessarily placing a lot of tension, mechanical tension on the muscle fibers specifically. So that's why understanding like the intent or, you know, what is the focus or what is the goal behind the exercise that we're doing? Like why that is so important. And it really does fall back on that example that Christina gave with like the working out versus resistance training. Like when we're doing like, you know, hard, you know, hypertrophy focused sets or sets focused on building muscle tissue, like we are, we are wanting to place as much stress and tension on those muscle fibers as possible. So that's why, you know, the load does matter. Like the weight obviously is going to help elicit a lot of tension on the muscles, but so is, you know, range of motion, like going full range of motion reps, tempo, um, really maintaining and fighting for, you know, that stability, that control, all of those things are going to create more tension on the muscles, which are going to lead to more growth. When we're just, you know, doing like a workout class, for example, there's not a ton of mechanical tension happening on those muscles it's more so you know we're doing loaded conditioning or like very lightweight for very 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 high volume sets and reps like christina talked about like in a lot of our workout classes we're doing you know 40 seconds straight of a certain exercise you know we're not going to be able to do you know an rpe 9 out of 10 weight for a set of like normally five six eight reps for like 40 seconds straight or a minute straight you know that's going to be more like endurance loads or, or weights that are much lighter that we can sustain for a very long period of time. So that's just, again, different exercise, different outcome, not saying one is you know worse or better than the other. Both honestly make sense. We do both in our training because we know that we want to, you know, there's certain activities that we do where the end goal is yes, you know, burn calories, get the heart rate up. And then we have other focuses in our training where it is, you know, place a lot of intensity and focus and resistance you know, on those muscle fibers. And so, you know, this is really how you guys are going to be able to spend less time in the gym. Ultimately, the better you get at understanding this whole principle of failure, because Christina talked about it in there. But you know, on some of, you know, these workouts we've been doing lately, like I know, especially for me, especially these like lower body days, like my more quadricep focus day, um, you know, I'm picking a very small 
handful of exercises and I have been training them to complete exhaustion. And I'm telling you guys, like when you actually do this, like you will be smoked. And it, like I said, it's going to take time to understand, but you know, I know that on my RPE, you know, 10 weeks where I'm training to true failure, like there are some times where like I just finished the first exercise and I am like literally debilitated. Like I can barely even, you know, finish the workout. Um, so I think what Christina said throughout this episode where she said, these workouts are really as hard as you want to make them. Really how we do something matters more than really what we're doing. And I just think back to some of the workouts that I used to do when I was an early on as, as a trainer. And, you know, I would do like five rounds of three exercises, five rounds of three exercises, five rounds of three exercises. I was doing like, you know, 15 to 20 plus sets, probably even more once you, you know, combine all that together in a given session, but I was doing it at a very just diluted intensity at a very low intensity. So, you know, this is really why so many people will spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours in the gym, because we're just doing way too much at a diluted intensity where, you know, if we just get in that like seven to 10 range, you know, we can do far less exercise, but just way more with way more focus, with way more intensity, and we're not going to have to spend as much time inside the gym. So we're just able to expedite the process so much faster when we do train with intensity. And and don't get me wrong, like it's not easy. It's not easy to go in there and really push yourself and like, you know, dig deep and, and go hard. But I'm telling you, you know, you are going to feel better when you dig to that deep of a level. And I'm telling you guys, it does not mean crushing your body with weight. You know, something that has, and I know we've talked about this on episodes in the past, but I cannot stress this point enough, but I'm telling you guys, if you really want to get the best, the absolute best physical results, and you want to avoid any sort of pain and injury, always prioritize range of motion, like really take that load. Like if you feel like you're, you know, doing partial reps at a heavier weight, I'm telling you, you will get more bang for your buck by going lighter and chasing a deeper range of motion. Same thing with tempo. If you feel like, you know, I, something I see time and time again, especially with in-person clients is like when, the, when, when it starts to become difficult, they like start going even faster. And then the, you know, movement becomes even more diluted. I'm telling you when in doubt, go lighter and focus on a deeper or a longer tempo. That longer tempo is going to create more time under tension, which is going to place more tension and stimulus on your muscles, which is going to lead to more growth. And I would argue that like nine times out of 10, those two principles get sacrificed. Same with mind-muscle connection when we are so, so heavily focused on the weight. Like if you guys can change your focus from just the weight to like quality reps, then the weight, you're going to decrease so much pain and injury. And ironically, it's going to give you better results. So that's why I always just joke. I'm like, you know, all these guys out there are like killing themselves, debilitating their bodies, ruining their joints, chasing all of these ridiculous weights that their body literally cannot handle. And not only is it, you know, leaving you feeling like crap and leaving you, you know, with pain and with injury, that's doing nothing for your muscle. Like that it's not growing muscle tissue. Um, so I'm telling you guys, you know, focus as much as you possibly can on intensity through that range of motion, through slow tempo, through that mind muscle connection. Cause you know, especially mind muscle connection, that, that one is just so important because there's even, you know, ex pro athletes, you know, that I'm working with where, you know, we're having to completely, you know, teach them from almost like beginner stages on how to perform certain exercises because, you know, over time there wasn't a focus on that mind muscle connection and other parts of the body have habitually just overcompensated. And so we're almost having to like completely change the way we perform certain exercises because of that. So I'm just telling you guys, if you can really prioritize those three principles, 
above the weight that you're using in the gym, not only are your results going to be better, but you're just going to feel so much better. And that goes with anything in your fitness journey. Mastering the basics should come first. Like if you can't hit your calories, we're not focusing on full macros. We're not focusing on carb cycling or macro cycling or anything like that. We should really prioritize the basics here with lifting like form, time and retention, mind and muscle connection above all else. So one thing I do want to mention wrapping this whole thing up is a common thing I hear when it comes to working out is that a lot of people go too hard the first week of a program. And then afterwards they're like, I'm so sore. I can't even go back for my second workout. I'm going to start over next week. And that cycle continues. And that's when your fitness journey isn't sustainable. So this is one more reason why RPE is so beneficial. I've had plenty of clients come into coaching. I know Zach probably has heard this too, where I'm like, what's held you back in the past? And a lot of times it's like, I go too hard for a week, but same thing goes for nutrition. Like I go too hard in a calorie deficit, can't maintain it on the weekends. So it's that constant cycle of starting and stopping, starting and stopping versus if you start at a seven out of 10, building a strong base and foundation and build upon that, you're not so sore. You can't go back for the next workout. And that's what's so cool about using that model that Christina talked you guys through within the episode is you won't have to spend a full week deloading. You're always starting that new cycle at a low intensity, which is serving as your deload. So when you pull back to that RP7 week of week one of a new cycle, for example, that's essentially your deload. And then you're building that good foundation like she's talking about, and you're ramping up that intensity over those next four weeks. So like she said, always when in doubt, you know, start light. Like don't ever just debilitate yourself, you know, max out intensity right away, like 10 out of 10 intensity ease into it, especially if you're a beginner, you're someone that hasn't trained in a long time, you know, allow yourself to become acclimated to those exercises. That's also why, you know, switching your workouts every week will leave you debilitatingly sore as well, because you're constantly hitting new muscles that you haven't taken the time to progress yet. So you're always going to have that soreness versus having those same exercises across those four weeks, increasing intensity each week, repeating the process moving forward. And if you haven't noticed a big theme in this entire podcast with every episode we do, we're here for a sustainable approach when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to training, and we're here to help you guys learn from our mistakes. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode walking through RPE. If you guys have any questions, of course, you can message either of either of us on Instagram. And next week, I'll be interviewing Zach on his journey with athletics, with his business, with fitness in general. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will see you next week. Peace out.